Okay, the reading today is from Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 31, and it's on page 940 of the Blue Church Bible. So Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father. Take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared you for since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was ill, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you ill or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. This is the word of the Lord. May I speak in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So over the last couple of weeks, we've been thinking about God's call on us to connect with one another so that we can go deeper in our relationships with our church family and with God and, with, and through that with our community. And one of the things that I and Dan were talking about over the last two weeks was how we're wanting to form our connect groups, and that's the name that we've given our small weekly groups, um, in case you haven't picked that up already, um, that we've just relaunched. And we want to group around some basic principles. There are kind of six main things that we want to do together in some way in those groups. And we want to grow in those things. So that's supporting one another in the ups and downs of life. It's friendship and fellowship. We want to read and discuss the Bible together. We want to pray together. We want to have some fun together. And in some way, we want to together bring God's light and love into our communities. Now, the passage we've just had read from Matthew's Gospel pictures the second coming of the Son of Man, the second coming of Jesus, when the world will be brought to justice finally. But it also points to the fact that Jesus is even now ruling as Lord. And the bits of the scripture that come before it, that particular passage we've heard read, what's around it, 
is um, showing the context that Jesus has been speaking about the failure of the Jewish leaders to live and to lead as God would have them do. And that instead of the nations being judged by God on how they've treated the people of Israel, something different is going to happen. This passage is saying Jesus himself is going to come and judge the world on his new kingdom terms, where those who don't treat his followers, that's his brothers and his sisters, well, will be judged for it. So that's the context of what that picture is about. It would have been, in a way, kind of surprising news to those that were hearing it, because judgment has been widened, okay, to all of those who do not treat Jesus' brothers and sisters well. And then that raises the question, doesn't it? Well, then who are Jesus' brothers and sisters? Who are the sheep? Who are the goats? So we have the sheep representing the faithful. So that's that picture of Jesus as the good shepherd. And then we have the goats representing the ones who have caused or allowed suffering for Christ's brothers and sisters in the context of that passage. So you can see that it's a particular message for a particular group of people at a particular time. Scripture does that. That's one layer, isn't it? But there's always another layer, which is what, what can we draw from it for us in our time now? At Sea Salter, St. Alfred Sea Salter in 2020, what's God saying to us? Well, firstly, it speaks of God's justice, because that central theme of the passage is God's heart for justice. And holy justice isn't just about punishing evil. It's about restoring balance in an unbalanced world. And God's justice is perfect. We have a justice system that's as good as we have found out how to make it, but it is deeply flawed because it's only the best that humans can do. You don't get miscarriages of justice with God. His justice is perfect. The second thing that we can draw from it is that Jesus sees us as his brothers and sisters, and that he has an expectation that as family, we're going to look after one another's physical, social, and material needs, especially when one of us is suffering in some way. And the third thing we can take from it is that Jesus takes our decision to do that or not to do that very personally, to the extent that he talks about when we're serving one another, it's as if we are serving him directly. And when we fail to look after those who need our help, we are failing to serve him. And he notices. We had a passage read from Romans 12 um, this morning at the 8.45 that kind of puts an emphasis on the how we go about doing that. And it says, love one another like brothers and sisters. And one translation says, outdo one another in showing honor to one another. I love that because it's practically an encouragement to see the service of one another as a kind of competitive sport. <laughs> it's, it's because it's rooted in our belonging of one another to each other as members in the body of Christ. We keep getting brought back to that image, don't we, of, of us as a body. And we're given that image in Scripture precisely because it's about so much more than being an effective team. Because an effective team can happily disperse and uh, then do its own thing because it's made up of whole units, isn't it? 
and they can operate quite capably on their own, albeit with a slightly smaller reach. But the image of the church is different than that. We are more than an effective team. We are called a body because we cannot function properly without one another. It's a much more codependent image than probably we are comfortable with, in all honesty, particularly in our very Western individualistic culture. And it's, it says that if one of us hurts, the whole of us hurts. Now, I don't know if that's actually true of us, even in the body that we have here, which is the body at Sea Salter. I think we'd like it to be, and I think we feel it sometimes, but I don't think we feel it all the time if one of us hurts. I definitely don't think it's true of the Christians across Whitstable. Again, I think we might feel it sometimes where we've got connections, but broadly speaking, the, the further the distance, the harder it is to feel that. And I'm pretty certain it's not true all the time of the worldwide church. We have to put ourselves in places where we hear what's going on and we understand what the rest of the body is going through, don't we, to hear. But if you've ever, anyone ever bruised or broken a rib? Who's done that? One or two people done that. Anyone ever put their back, back out? <laughs> Ali's straight up there. <laughs> um, anyone had a kind of dodgy hip or a knee for a while? Yeah. You don't just feel it in that bit of you, do you? It really messes up the whole of you. The, the rest of your body is really aware of what's going on in that other part of you. Because pain isn't just confined to the part of the body it afflicts, does it? It affects how the whole body operates. And it should be, that's what that picture is saying, it should be the same with us. We should really mind when there's people who aren't getting along okay in our church. Back in April 2019, we had our church annual general meeting. The clue's in the name, it happens every year. Um, and there'll be one coming up in this April as well. And anybody is welcome to attend um, the public part of that meeting. And people have the opportunity to raise issues from the floor. And there were some strong concerns raised um, in part of that meeting that there was a big gap in our pastoral care of one another. That people in our church community who were really struggling were being missed. And that it felt like only a few people knew about that and were doing the caring and supporting and they were feeling rather overwhelmed with it. And from that meeting, I realized two things. Firstly, that there were definitely gaps in our care of one another, and people who were struggling were no doubt being missed. And secondly, that there was a real problem of the right hand having literally no clue what the left hand was doing, because those who were doing the supporting felt isolated and like they were the only ones doing stuff, and that they were unsupported, when uh, actually, in truth, there's an awful lot of pastoral care and work that goes on across this church. And uh, quite often, it's just people in the main just quietly getting on with it, which is brilliant and exactly how it should be. However, what it did make clear was that we need to organize ourselves better. And as I said a couple of weeks ago when we were talking about these connect groups, these small groups, how do you do that when you've got uh, a congregation that is five congregations? a large body of people um, that don't always get together all at the same time. And even if we did, how could we connect with everybody at once? So for the last eight months or so, we've been thinking about this and working on it. And um, we've drawn together a group of people who have a particularly pastoral heart. 
um, and who can safely and want to safely hold the oversight of pastoral care in this church. Because as we've actually seen, the, the actual provision of the care and support is an every person job. It's part of being a member of the church. It's part of being a follower of Christ. And that passage we have, that Matthew passage, makes that abundantly clear, doesn't it? We are called to serve each other. So this won't be a pastoral group that races around doing all the pastoral things on our behalf. Although, like all of us, the people in that group will do their bit. The idea behind the group is it will do two main things. Firstly, it will be a point of contact, a central point of contact. Um, for people who are supporting somebody and um, are kind of at the end of their tether knowing what to do next or how to help best, so they will help carry that, maybe signpost to some helpful agencies and things. It'll be a point of contact for people who maybe spot an issue with somebody they know and they don't know how to begin that kind of support. It will be a point of contact for people themselves if they are struggling and think, I, I need some help and I don't know, actually, I'm kind of embarrassed about asking, I don't know who to ask. So you'll be able to use that group for that. Um, and so it's just a way of being able to keep in touch with it, really. And secondly, they will keep that overview, that oversight, so that hopefully we'll have more of an understanding of who is doing what. We'll avoid the gaps, we'll avoid duplication, and um, we will make sure that those who are carrying a heavy load have people alongside them that can step in um, and give a hand there. So will it be perfect? No. Um, will it be a work in progress as we work out how it operates? Yes. Um, will it be better than what we've got at the moment, which in places is good and in places is patchy? Yeah, I think it will be. Um, so please pray for that as we develop it. So you'll hear more about that in the weeks to come when we can publish that information. Not quite ready yet, but we're getting there. Um, so our role in this, well, we have to firstly recognise that we carry that responsibility for one another. And as I said, many folk in this church do that very well indeed and just never make a big song and dance about it. And it's true that some of us will be given by God particular gifts in pastoral work and hospitality. So if that's you, then I say keep on keeping on. Use those gifts and pour yourself out in that way. Seek support from those in your networks and groups so that it doesn't become um, too much of a burden for you to carry. You're doing a fabulous job and we will try and learn to support you better, okay? But all of us need to play our part where we can, especially if you happen to lead a group or any kind of team um, in this church, whether it's one of our weekly connect groups or whether it's one of the groups and teams that helps the church to function. It's one of the reasons why we are connecting in groups in the first place, just so that there's a, a kind of handy mechanism for keeping an eye on each other. And it is also actually how we're most likely to notice if people are having a problem or aren't here over a few weeks. Now, at this point, I need to say something about safeguarding. And you'll have been aware, I hope, of the posters that have been up that say we are a safeguarding church. And if you know anything about um, some of the recent history of the Church of England and um, media stories, you will know why we need to be a safeguarding church. Um, S.J. Martin is our safeguarding officer. Can you just give us a wave, S.J., so people know who you are? Is Vanessa in the room? Yep, Vanessa's behind the desk, so she's giving a wave as well. Um, Vanessa is our safeguarding lead for children. And their pictures and their contact details are on um, the poster that's by the entrance into the kitchen. So can I encourage you, if you haven't noticed that before, just to have a little read of that 
on your way out of church this morning. Now, pastoral care is different from safeguarding, but sometimes there is overlap. And we're just going to watch a short video now that helps explain things. And you get points um, over coffee afterwards if you recognize the voice on the video. Okay. <laughs> Church should be a place where everyone can feel safe. We will never be perfect, but we can work together to make our churches safer. Safeguarding is everyone's responsibility, and it needs to be at the heart of everything we do. So we all need to be on the lookout for signs of harm and abuse. We need to be vigilant, so that if something doesn't seem right, then we'll spot it. We can't assume that kind of thing won't happen here. It can, and it does. But we can work together to make our churches safer and to minimise the risks of harm and abuse. To do that, we need to listen to that gut feeling that tells you when something isn't right. And in safeguarding, if it doesn't feel right, then chances are it's not. If there's a situation that is concerning you, then contact your parish safeguarding officer. You'll find their details on the safeguarding poster in your church. They'll get in touch with one of our DSAs, or diocesan safeguarding advisors, for advice. They are safeguarding professionals, and they are here to help. If you're concerned about someone or something, just call them, and they'll offer support and advice. Don't worry that you might be wasting their time. They're here to help, and a two-minute phone call may be all it takes to get you the support and reassurance you need. In making that call, you could be providing the missing piece of a jigsaw that helps to keep someone else safe. Safeguarding is about caring for one another and looking out for one another, and each of us has a crucial role to play in that. Our churches can be safer if we all work together. I hope that helps you see the similarities and the differences. Um, can't get away from jigsaw pieces, can we? <laughs> I'm seeing them everywhere at the moment, so I expect you are as well. So you can see that safeguarding is really about ensuring a safe environment. And for the most part, our caring for one another pastorally won't be a safeguarding issue unless it becomes apparent that a child or an adult is unsafe or is um, making others unsafe or likely to in some way. But what we basically need to take away from this is that if we have a concern about it, we need to raise it and we do have a way of handling it well. So in the first instance, you speak to SJ or to Vanessa or to myself um, and have a look at the poster on your way out of church today for a bit more information on that. Let love be genuine, says St. Paul in his letter to the Romans. In other words, walk the talk, church. That's what he's saying. And this can be a joyful work if it's a shared work. It becomes burdensome when it falls on the shoulders of the few. So if we pick things up together, it's a joyful work and it will just deepen and grow our relationships. All of us need help at some point, don't we? So let's carry the full responsibility for each other as Christ's body so that the church 
can be as healthy as it can be and so that we witness well to the love of Christ for us and at work in us and at work in the world. Amen.